And welcome back to another installment of the Uninformed Gamers. I am one of your hosts, Darkness Tiger. Thank you for joining us again. And as always, we have a special guest. Well, he's a special guest to us, but you know him and you love him. Mason, welcome back. Hey, it's always good to be here and talk about video games amongst other things with my good buddies unfortunately for us but fortunately for chris uh he will not be joining us because his lucky butt is in hawaii must be nice he's, know, uh, right? he's out there living his uh hawaiian adventure his uh far cry adventures out in hawaii <laughs> well let's hope it's not far cry knowing my brother it's far cry oh geez like the plane crashed on like a remote island and he's just kind of fending for himself out there. Yeah, it's going to turn into like Lord of the Flies. Oh, God. Uh, but don't worry, listeners. Chris will be back unless he's yeah. murdered, which would suck. But, you know, <laughs> he took he knew the risk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so what's the been Hawaiian going on? Mason? So what's been going on, Mason? Oh, well, in terms of uh, video gaming, I was able to get a lot of progress made in Octopath Traveler. Uh, got a chance to just really buckle down, and I played about like an hour or two of that. So that was really nice to get back into that game. And then just been playing more Pokemon Unite on and off. Uh, having a lot of fun with that game. So it's, it's a really just breath of breath of fresh air um and then a bit of a correction from last podcast is uh i was talking about the video game hades and i mistakenly referred to (laughs) hades as uh zeus's uh son uh (laughs) so so that was a that was a big mistake on my part and i also referred to uh, to the main character as Hades, and you don't play as Hades. You play as Zagreus, who is right. Hades's son. So I uh, I made a couple mistakes last podcast when describing the video game Hades. So I do apologize for that one. Just wanted to correct my little bumble there. But that's okay, Mason. Our podcast is literally called the Uninformed Gamers. Yes, we're allowed I, to. Make I, I definitely showed that when i was explaining <laughs> 80s no i love the game too that? like I, I play it a lot apparently not <laughs> yeah and then the, the last tidbit before i ask you what you were doing Devin, is uh my wife and i uh basically no life read the webtoon comic uh lore olympus mm-hmm. so that was a hell of a good time uh we're all caught up and we're we are now waiting for it to release like week by week but that has just Mm -hmm. been an absolute blast to read with her and just talk about it and just experience so if you if you like greek mythology and if you Mm -hmm. like uh love stories and drama and just just good storytelling in general highly recommend checking out or olympus very good now, I'm going to ask a few follow-up questions before I get into my own. And the first question yeah. I'm going to ask is, Octopath Traveler, what do you like about that game? Like, can you explain to the listeners why you enjoy playing it? Well, I'm a huge advocate for RPGs in general. I just, I love that style of game. And two, it is a JRPG, which I absolutely love. Uh, I love the art style that it 
uh, kind of brings to the table. It mixes that old school slash retro 2D, but weaves in this awesome web of 3D uh, backgrounds. So that is super cool. I also enjoy the combat, even though it is turn-based, so you wouldn't like it. Absolutely um, not. <laughs> even though the combat's turn-based, uh, it does offer up a unique combat experience in that you have to like strategize with your with your moves because you have to like chain your moves in order to accomplish certain things and mm -hmm. then another thing i enjoy a lot is the story and soundtrack the story as you can probably tell you know it, it's called octopath traveler for a reason you've get to play as eight different characters and travel along these different paths that each of them take. Hence the name. So that is super cool. And then the soundtrack itself is just breathtaking. And uh, I, I can listen to it, honestly, uh, even when I'm not playing the game and enjoy it. So that's mm -hmm. kind of like the big, big reasons why I like the game so much and why it deserves like a 10 out of 10. Oh, wow. A 10 out of 10. That's a pretty high scoring range, my good sir. Yeah. I mean, it, it's probably one of my favorite games that I've played in recent memory. Mm -hmm. Now, the second follow-up question that I had is that you and your wife are probably the coolest people I know. Because, well, I'm just honest with you. Aw, geez. Thanks. Aw, well, geez, guys. <laughs> but no, you and <laughs> um, you, you and your, you and your wife are probably the coolest people I know because you read manga together, watch, uh, uh, anime together, play video games together. If, if you, if somebody is out there listening to this podcast and they're trying to get their partner, significant other, or whoever into, uh, enjoying those different things with them, mm -hmm. is there kind of like a, uh, a particular medium or a particular, um, reference source that's a good start to get somebody into, I guess, enjoying those same interests that you and I currently enjoy. So that's a really good question, actually, that I am completely unequipped and unprepared to answer. Cause that, <laughs> yeah, that, was, that, was, that was just my question. Yeah, that was just a complete random question. Podcast. Like that, that, no, seriously, like that is a loaded question, but I can, I, I can definitely do my best to give our listeners advice and kind of, steer them in the right path in, in terms of getting into their or not getting into their, but getting their partner into these uh, hobbies that they enjoy, such as, you know, video games, anime, manga, etc. So I can try my best here. No, no, no. It's it just think about that question. And then when we do our next podcast episode, I want to kind of like, okay. I want to spitball on some ideas here. My, my wife is literally standing next to me, waving her arm, saying, I am also here. Yeah, well, uh, we didn't ask her opinion. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is going to take us into our next story. <laughs> yeah, let me, let me think about that one, Devin, and we can definitely touch on that for the next topic because it, it'll be a, a probably a meaty subject. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. We'll, we'll definitely dive into that next week. Uh, yeah, but that's, that's a really good topic. Yeah, we'll, we'll spit about some ideas. But I, I did mention uh, not wanting your wife's advice uh, or opinion <laughs> leads us 
<laughs> Sorry, Jacqueline. Leads us into our next topic and a continuation of our topic. Yes. Continuing coverage. Continuing coverage. Dun, 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 breaking news. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, this is breaking news because it happened two hours ago. Okay. So the question is, who is who's left working at Blizzard at this point? Uh, unfortunately, the scummy CEO, Bobby Kotick. Yep, that is it. And the workers who are getting abused and just living in such a toxic or working in such a toxic work environment. Um, recently, three senior Blizzard developers will no longer be working with company amid Activision Blizzard ac- allegations. Uh, the three are Diablo 4 director Louis Borrega, which I'm guaranteeing I said that wrong, level designer Jesse McCree, and WoW designer Jonathan LeCraft have all left. Well, they they were actually fired. Really? Yeah. That, um, I didn't see that part. Yeah. To my knowledge, uh, they were fired um, because the article states that they were let go instead of, you know, they like stepped down. Hmm. So this has to do with the Cosby suite. Yes, it does, because both all three of those people were in that picture. At what point, let's just say, Mason, that you are a Blizzard executive. I hope not. Well, let's just say you are in this scenario. Let's say in this scenario you're a Blizzard executive and someone from Blizzard invites you up to the Cosby suite. <laughs> what would you, as a reasonable, logical person, do? So if I if I mean if I was an executive at that time, like this is a hypothetical scenario, right? Mm-hmm. So if I was an executive at that time in that sort of environment, and I'd be a completely different person at that point. Okay. Me now, Mason wouldn't do it, but I mean, if I was an executive at that point in time. This is a completely hypothetical scenario, so... Yeah, you're not You're not an executive at Blizzard. I can so, confirm. I mean, I would have to say I would probably take them up on the offer because I, I don't want to get fired or let go or get ostracized for not going into the suite that I was invited to. Mm-hmm. But, you know, looking at it from my current perspective, I would 100% not do it. But in this scenario, I would be a completely different Mason. So <laughs> that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, like and I, for me, because you have to think about the work culture. And one of the things yeah, is like you're, you're probably like knee deep in that culture, right? So you're a lot definitely of the, knee deep. Like a lot of those male executives all had that mindset. Not to say that that was right, because it's not. <laughs> But at what point in this chain does a person literally say, hey, this is not right? Yeah, right. Because there, there probably was a male employee who thought to themselves like, hey, this seems kind of suspect. Maybe we should not. But I uh, think they, that, were, they were probably too afraid to speak up. I think that's I think that's literally it. Is that when you have this such company culture of this frat bro toxic max masculinity or whatever it's it's harder to just say oh well no this is not right 
when it's just easier to just go along with it. Yeah, and it's, it, 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 it's extremely difficult to speak out against the the grain when it's been so heavily established. And if you and if you're going with the grain, going with the grain, okay. But understand that when all of the cards start tumbling down, I can't feel sympathetic towards you. Yes, I agree. And do you think that Blizzard Activision? Do you think that the CEO is going to be is going to step down? Do you think that at this point, it's it's a terrible look. It is a terrible look. Honestly, from the I don't think he'll step down. I think he will be ousted by the shareholders or the board of directors. Um, I think it's going to come to that point where he's just going to be straight up like voted off the island, so to speak. Yeah, because no matter which way you look at it right now. Because it's too late. It's too late for him to be like, oh, okay, I'll step down. Well, I, and it's also it's also complete BS if he said, oh, I didn't know. No, because yeah, he obviously knew. You obviously knew. Um, and no matter which way you look at this Activision Blizzard story, it just looks bad. Because have you heard about what's happening with World of Warcraft? Uh, I know the subscriber account has uh, plummeted drastically. Yep, the uh, subscriber count has jumped, uh, plummeted dramatically, and also one of like the major World of War World of Warcraft streamers. Yeah, basically was like, "I'm out of here." Yep, and yeah, yep, and he was like, "This he was like basically this whole thing sucks. Y'all are terrible." Yeah, not not only is like the culture leading these people to leave, but also like the the game itself, because a lot of the players not only feel that the game is like stale, but the now, all these allegations now are just really fueling that proverbial fire for uh, these players to leave. And I, I don't blame them. I think no, at this and point. I don't and and n- not to mention, like, um, they're losing Activision Blizzard is also losing a lot of their sponsors, like such as T-Mobile, Kellogg now. Um Probably there's probably a couple others that I'm missing here, but I know a lot of the companies who do sponsored content on their streams and stuff are jumping ship because they're like, we do not want to be associated with this brand anymore. If you are still like sponsoring Activision Blizzard at this point, you really can't read a room. No. You are illiterate. Yeah. It's but, uh, just, it's just a, a real, real bad situation over there. And I don't see I don't see it getting better. I, I feel like at this point, no matter what all kinds of PR and like tweet uh, Twitter post you can make, you're not going to just walk out of the situation. I think no. Activision Blizzard is going to always be known as scummy. It's going to be a, a punchline. Like, oh, well, at least we're not as bad as Activision Blizzard. Yeah, honestly. Uh, but let's go ahead and let's change up the topics because yeah. Blizzard is just gross and scummy. And since we're already dirty, let's talk about let's Weebox. Let's talk about another dirty topic. Speaking of Blizzard, again, <laughs> um, but not, not quite. This is more of a overarching category. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've touched on this very briefly before in, in a couple different episodes, but we haven't really dived into it in like a lot of depth. But and I think the, we should dive into that today. Yeah, but the United States uh, Congress is actually looking into implementing legislation for loot boxes in video games because Mm -hmm. essentially uh, loot boxes is legalized gambling for children. 
Literally, that's literally what it is. It is straight up just gambling. It is. It is. Um, and the bill in question is it's called the S.1629. Uh, so this bill basically, not to bore you guys or you, Devin, uh, it's a bill to regulate pay-to-win microtransactions and sales of loot boxes in interactive digital entertainment products and for other purposes. This was introduced by a Republican, of all people. Wow. Actually, uh, it was introduced by Senator Haley Josh, or Josh Haley. Mm-hmm. I don't really know a lot about him. Josh, uh, H-A-W-L-E-Y? H-A-W-L-E-Y. Gross. Yeah, it was introduced by him. Um, so he... Basically, is tackling the game publishers, the game distributors in this piece of legislation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Federal Trade Commission is also getting involved in this matter because there's there's no legislation. There's no protection for children regarding these loot boxes. I I don't think the legislation will pass, but it's mm-hmm. it, it's a decent start. No, it, it's a decent start because at this point, as we we're saying here, loot boxes are only getting bigger and bigger. Yes. And one of the things about gambling, gambling addiction is a very, very real thing. Yes, it, it honestly is. And I have played some games that have loot boxes and I will literally just grind until I get these stupid loot boxes because I need something in them. Mm-hmm. And of course, you can do the pay to play where you can put in your uh, credit card and get everything you need. But that's also a bit of a problem, too. Because you paid your money for your video game. Let's just say 60, 70 bucks. Unless you have Game Pass, which is free. <laughs> Throw that in there. Um, but. Why should you continue paying for something you already own, specifically video games? Exactly. Why, why should you pay just to get ahead when, the, the, in, in my opinion, it's just, it's a very, I don't see, no, I can see, honestly, I don't see the reason why it exists, but no, all it is just a moneymaker for the developers and the publishers. It is. It is. It, it, it's like this perpetual, like, money-making engine and, like, one of the, a lot of the video games now are just running yeah. rampant with it. Like, what was that? Nothing. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I heard something, so I was I wasn't sure what it was. Uh, but anywho, uh, not to get off topic there. Uh, one of the video games in question that does like loot boxes pretty terribly is uh, Genshin Impact. Yep. Um, but I will say in their defense. It is not predatory because they How don't. So? so with I've played Genshin Impact. Mm-hmm. I've, I've played it. I've I've reached level twenty, so I've played it pretty, ex, not extensively, but enough to kind of get a feel. Like you can play the game free to play, mm-hmm. and still do fairly well. Like the game doesn't like advocate for you to spend in real life money like there's not like shiny uh gimmicks within the system that you know lead the player to these uh choices you know so in that aspect it's like non-predatory 
so I do appreciate that. But like a lot of games will will have that where they'll have the shiny options, you know, the colorful colors, the you know, the the noises when you get something good, you know, to trigger that kind of like dopamine response in your brain. And for like people with an addictive personality, I mean, mm-hmm. even if a game isn't predatory with their loot boxes, a person who has that issue will definitely do it. Mm-hmm. Or if the issue is bad enough with them, like there's just, there's nothing that you can do at that point unless they, you know, seek help. So my, like, my... The, the, sorry. Uh, the last thing is uh, the worst. One of the worst offenders is NBA 2K. <laughs> Accurate. Accurate. Like, they're the absolute fucking worst when it comes to loot boxes. Do you think that loot boxes are the way of the future? Or do you think that with the backlash against loot boxes that we might start seeing them begin to fade away? Now that Congress might be getting involved, that, that I, we might have an answer on that. I honestly do think that they are a fad right now uh, for the industry. I do think that the industry is taking advantage of it while they still can, mm-hmm. because I think eventually they will become an obsolete thing due to heavy litigation. Um, because you're old enough to remember this. Chris is old enough to remember this. And I'm old enough to remember this, as is a lot of our listeners. Video games used to not be like this. You used back to be in the, a- Back in my day. Yeah, back. This is going to be my old man tangent here. But yeah. back in my day, you used to be able to purchase a video game for a flat and play it and unlock the things inside of it just by playing it. You didn't have to use a credit card. Well, you had to use a credit card to buy it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, obviously, like a credit card, debit card, or cash. But, I mean, as a kid, you know, I used cash. But um, my point stands is video games back in the day, uh, you used to be able to purchase a game and play the game and unlock the stuff. Now, it's very rare for a game to be like, okay, well, here's the game and here's everything. You just have to play through it to unlock stuff. Well, to be fair, the reason back in the day that we could just buy the game and that was it was because back in the day, there was no such thing as loot boxes. There was no real online mode. Like there was no downloadable content. When you bought the game, that's the game you bought. And if it came on a secondary disc, there's your secondary content. Mm-hmm. Like I, I do like this might be a little off tangent because we're talking about loot boxes, but like with paid DLC, um, I have a really big issue with like pre-prepared paid DLC content. Cause it's just like, so like, so, so you mean, when you mean that, do you mean like pre-order? Like if you pre-order from GameStop, you'll no, get one thing I mean, you pre-order from so Best Buy? The best example I can give is like Street Fighter V okay. is, is a video game developed by Capcom, right? Yeah. And the base game is like $59.99 when it first came out. And when it first came out, Capcom announced, okay, well, here are the characters currently on the roster. Here is the schedule for future fighters that you can Mm. purchase and the same thing the same thing happened with dragon ball z fighters developed by bandai and i think namco but i Mm -hmm. think it may have just been bandai but anywho 
they did the same thing where it's just like, hey, here are the here's the uh, base package. And then here's the quote unquote season pass with all of these extra characters that you have to shell out even more money for. So it's just like I hate it when companies do that when they pre-plan their DLC and advertise it to their customers because it's just right. like, okay, well, why didn't you just release this with everybody in the first place? Because like Mortal Kombat does that too. That Mortal Kombat does do that, but the reason they do that is because they know you're going to pay for it. I know, and I know someone's going to pay for it. Like I hate that, and it gets to the point where I'm just. I wait for that quote unquote complete package or that ultimate edition where it's yep. just like, Oh, well here's the base game. Plus all the DLC content for one convenient price. One convenient like, price. You could have paid this entire time. Exactly. And that is one of my biggest complaints about the industry in regards to paid DLC. Um, I will get off my soapbox. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, since you're on the soapbox, um, because I know one of the other biggest offenders, and we talked about this on a previous episode of the podcast, was The Sims and EA. Yes. Is, uh, EA very is bad, so bad about that. Loot, EA is loot boxes. EA is DLC. EA is literally everything you can hate about a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know with The Sims, if you wanted a new couch, oh, that'll be five bucks real world dollar. <laughs> And like I think we, I think the total ca- uh, tally at the time, because that's it, gone up since then. If you were to buy all the DLC for it was either Sims Three or Sims Four, I don't remember which. Whatever is the one most recent one, you know, it's like it would hundreds, cost you hundreds, right? It was over seven hundred dollars for just just like carpets, furniture. That's basically it. Ooh-wee. Now. The question I wanted to ask before we move over to the next topic, and you, you mentioned DLC. Yes. Do you think that at any point, like after a game has been out for so many years, the DLC should be free? That's that's a good po- that's a good question, honestly. Uh, oof, that's a tough one. Because after so long, like after the game, the company moves on to the next project. Um, I know Forza Motorsport 7 is getting ready to be delisted uh, from the uh, game stores. Okay. And once it's delisted or once it's get, it literally is getting ready, like once it's delisted, you will not be able to buy a copy. But I'm thinking like, okay, on the last day, eh, it's all free. Just yeah. buy it. But do you think the DLC after so many years, like after the company's moved on, they should just make it free? Or should they just keep it like a pr- behind a price tag? That's a really good question, honestly. I'm coming through with all the hard questions today on the Uninformed Game. No, I mean, it it honestly depends on, like, how much time has passed, how much DLC content that you would be given. I mean, because they they spent money to make this content, so they need to make money off of it. They didn't spend as much as Ubisoft did on Black uh, Skull and Bones. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, it honestly depends on the situation that that's like the best, like this is going to sound terrible, but it's going to be the best like political answer I can give. No, no, that's okay. Well, you know how political we get on this podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, recently we've been, we've been hitting on some uh, pretty uh, hard subjects. Yeah. You just said Republican on this podcast. I know that's, that's triggering, man. I know. But um, what's call it? We've, we've been kind of doing a lot of these stories, and um, every time we do the story, 
something else comes out that just kind of blew the previous story away. Yes. And we, you and I have talked about, Chris as well, have talked about the collector market and how kind of the collector market has gotten out of control. Yeah, like I just saw something, it was either today or yesterday where the, I can't, this is going to sound so weird to say, the retro collectible market for PSP games. And, yep, I saw the same thing. Yeah, and Nintendo DS games in Japan, like the prices of those games has exponentially increased uh, like drastically and it's so weird to say that out loud like retro retro psp nintendo ds games because in my mind like those are still relatively like fresh Mm -hmm. but they're not that old they're not they're old enough to be collectible though but like but yet like the collectible market for those in japan is just seeing a lot of uh attention but like why like i that's the one thing is like i didn't get yeah, why like, i don't understand the sudden like interest it might be because oh the price of everything else is going up well what is something that we can start collecting and then we can artificially raise the price mm-hmm. oh what's something people aren't buying <laughs> psp and nintendo old nintendo ds games mm-hmm. and so with that being said there was another uh, record-breaking auction. Yes. And I think you, Chris, and I all were like, no. Yeah, like my, 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 honestly, my knee-jerk reaction to this news was just like, oh, hell no. My knee-jerk reaction to this was like, oh, this is money laundering. Pretty much. Um, and what we're talking about, uh, guys, is that... Um, Mason, you have the details on this one because I just have, I just have, yeah, go ahead with this one. So this will be, this will be kind of like a shorter explanation, but the, the headline is the, you know, Super Mario Brothers uh, video game for the NES sold for a record breaking $2 million, which, (laughs) Yeah, like, <laughs> which broke the record for the most expensive video game sale that was just set like a couple yep. weeks ago. Literally, and we talked about that. We did. Um, the record, so, the record, uh, the record was smashed in April when a copy of Super Mario Bros. went for six hundred and sixty thousand at auction. Yep. Followed in July by a copy of Legend of Zelda that went for eight hundred and seventy thousand. Now, what makes this one special, I guess, is that it was unopened since 1985. Yes, and it was rated, um, it's one of the highest rated games in terms of, like, its quality. It was rated a 9.8 out of a total of 10, which is, like, Mm -hmm. the closest you can get to perfection. Right. But, yeah, the, the game that we talked about that sold for a record amount was the Super Mario 64. Yep, that one was the one just previously this, and I think it was one point five six million. Yep, one point five six. Um, and this one was purchased by an anonymous buyer because, of course, it was. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the reason these are being purchased is because the market? This is just what the market is going to be going forward, mm-hmm. or do you think we're sitting on a bubble, like a bubble that? Oh, it's it's one hundred percent a bubble. It is one hundred percent a bubble, and it is going to burst, and it is going to burst bad. Because a big reason, 
in my eyes, why the demand for collectibles has surged is one, we're still in a pandemic. Yep. And when people are just stuck at home and are looking for ways to spend their money, I mean, what are you, what are you going to, what are you going to spend it on? Like, I don't know. Toilet paper. So I think it's, it's very psychological because like, a lot of the a lot of the mindset during the pandemic is just like you yearn for those earlier days, those simpler days, and what is something that a lot of uh, millennials, like thirty plus year olds, can you know kind of attach themselves to. It's you know nostalgic video games, nostalgic content. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like it, it kind of fuels that that feeling of that wanting. And perhaps that's why they've spent millions of dollars on, you know, nostalgic video games, cards. But is nostalgia really worth $2 million? In my eyes, no. And <laughs> in, 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 like, it's just hard for me to fathom because $2 million is not a little bit of money. It's actually no, it's a, it's a big chunk of change. That some people, that's some people, uh, that's the number people aspire to, to retire and be done mm-hmm. with life. Like, and to think, to somebody to spend all that money on a video game that made them either feel good or because I'm, and I'm not just saying, we're, we're not just saying that, Oh, the only reason it was bought was because of nostalgia. No, it is a collector's item. That's what it, taking... it is. And I guarantee you the dude who bought it, um, is not going to open it or play it. Ever. That would be stupid. Actually, it'd be really funny if he did an unboxing video of this. Oh my God. Oh my God. That would trigger so many people. I would watch, I would like, and I would subscribe, even if he never posted another video. Oh, yeah, I would, too. I just would want to see the, the hate comments. Oh, guaranteed. It would be just like, oh, what are you doing? It's $2 million. <laughs> oh, I wish I could give you, if you wanted to throw in a trash, give it to me. Oh, whatever, yeah, right? guy. Exactly. But one thing, like, since we're talking on uh, nostalgia and all that shit, like, I don't understand NFTs. Okay. Like, I um, legitimately don't understand the reason why people would want to purchase. It's called a non-fungible token. It's a form of, like, internet currency, right? See, that's where, uh, well, no, it's not a form of internet currency. Like, well, See, I, let me. Like, I'm super, like, unfamiliar with, like, these tokens. Like, I just don't let me get them. introduce you to the world mason all right what you got nft is a digital key which proves ownership of something okay so here's an example jack dorsey the ceo of twitter sold his very first tweet as an nft but but like why would somebody want that because it means they own it but what's the point of owning it (laughs) That's the whole point, Mason. There is no point. <laughs> so, it's so, all right. So it's basically yeah. clout chasing. Yeah, it's basically clout chasing by a bunch of clout chasers. Got because, it. Got it. Got it. Because got it. like I saw something the other day where like these people who posted up like viral videos way back in the day, like the Charlie bit my finger thing. Yeah. Like the 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 guy who posted that video turned it into an NFT and it sold for like a butt ton of money. Yeah. 
because people just want to say, well, oh, well, I own that. Oh, I was the first one. Yeah. yeah. So people, for, for some reason, people really, really, really want to feel like they're a part of something or like they always want to feel like they're better than someone. That is just, it's just baffling to me. Be- because here's the thing. Just because you own it does not mean everybody else can't see it. Mm-hmm. Like Jack Dorsey's tweet is still there. Like you can just literally do a snippet and print it out and put it on your wall and say you own it because you technically do. Yeah, because you own that piece of paper. <laughs> you own a piece of paper. But an NFT gives you digital ownership of something. But one of the things that I've been reading and listening to is that basically it's just one big scam. Because yeah, it, I mean, it sounds like it, honestly. It, some people are selling things that are NFTs that are like not really NFTs. And it's just kind of like, oh, well, these aren't authentic. Even though it's just like, how can you prove something is not authentic this entire time? It's mm-hmm. a whole, the whole thing is stupid. Like, oh, it is. Um, but let's move over to our next topic before yes. we get too off the tangent. Yeah, and, and... Something more positive since we're on the topic of Super Mario and just Mario in general. Uh, this is such an awesome piece of news and it's very exciting for me as well as I'm sure the gaming community is somebody finally by the name of Daniel Burbank now has the fastest record in every single Super Mario 64 racing course. So that's a total of 32 courses. Yes. Sorry, it's me clapping. No, seriously. Yes. Yes, come on, Daniel. You finally did it. Yes. Congratulations. Like, this is seriously, like, a very impressive feat. And he has been at this for a very very long time yeah because like like years like he's been at this for years and years yeah i think i think it's after an eight i think it was eight years yeah like um and if you really want to dive deep into like the backstory about his uh history with this video game i very much recommend checking out the youtube channel summoning salt it Mm -hmm. like he focuses a lot on speed running world records and like the history of them. It's one yeah. of the few YouTubers that I really like to listen to. And he, he did a, a one where it's called the quest for world record perfection. Mm-hmm. And I highly recommend checking that one out because it's just a really nice listen. And it's very interesting to hear the history and drama behind something so simple as racing digital uh, carts around a course. Right. But yeah, it's very, very exciting for, for Daniel. 32 out of 32 records. That is just insane. It, it's exciting until, because it's exciting that you collected all those records, but what the not exciting part is, is that somebody is eventually oh, one yeah. day But the going fact to that he that. is the first one to do it is amazing. Uh, yeah, that's that's an absolutely an achievement right there. We wish him the very best in his record chasing and record hunting. Um, there was another, wasn't there another record? And um, this one, we didn't talk about this one beforehand. Uh, Final Fantasy. How many Final Fantasy games are there? Fifteen. Uh, uh, not including like the spinoffs. Yeah, I think the, I think they're at a total of fifteen now. Um, so one uh, person, I believe, actually spent the last 10 years 
collecting. I think I know, I think I know what you're going to say. Spent the last 10 years collecting every trophy in Final oh, Fantasy. Never mind. What do you think I was going to say? I thought that you were going to talk about the individual who reached max level at the tutorial section for Final Fantasy VII. I did not hear about that, but now yeah. I'm curious. Let's yeah. let's do, let's do the one let's do the one story. Yeah. Um, uh, Final Fantasy fan gets every franchise trophy, and it took a decade. Ooh, wow, good for him though. Yeah, and I, I'm on, on November first, two thousand ten. Talon Kirk, who goes by Reborn07 on Reddit. And PSN unlocked his first trophy in Final Fantasy 13 for the PlayStation 3. On August 8, 2021, he unlocked the last trophy introduced in Final Fantasy 7 Remake Intergrades DLC, making him the only person in the world to have collected every PSN trophy from every Final Fantasy game. Hmm. That's super awesome for him, though. And I feel like some of these Final Fantasy uh, achievements are like legitimately hard. Oh yeah, like I, like I've played Final Fantasy games before, and mm -hmm. especially like with Final Fantasy X, there's a couple of achievements that are really difficult to get. And one of the things that some of I know some of the Final Fantasies had like online multiplayer achievements. Yes, like some yep. some some achievements are like exclusive achievements too. Those would be incredibly hard to do, mm -hmm. especially if it's an older game. Because going back oh, to yeah. an older multiplayer. But no, what was your Final Fantasy story? Oh, the so this is going to be like super abridged and um, kind of off the cuff because it, it's been a while since I listened to the story itself. But ba basically, the story goes as this: there's one, there is a player who was just started a topic in the game FAQs forum. So this mm -hmm. is kind of an older story because not a lot of people use game facts anymore, right? Uh, but anywho, this, I forget his name. This one guy, um, was just like, Hey, I'm going to reach max level, level 99 in the tutorial section in final fantasy seven. And he documented his progress and all that stuff. And he had unfortunately only made it to like the fifties range. And, uh, he was just like posting updates and updates and updates. And then he just kind of fell off. Mm -hmm. And then another guy comes out of the woodwork and is just like, all right, I'm going to pick up where you left off, kind of take up the mantle. And he did it. it and it took him, you know, multiple years uh, to achieve the feat of level 99 in the tutorial area. But he, he did it. Uh, it. It got so serious at one point. I was listening to like the quote unquote documentary of it. Yeah. He even like played the game with a broken arm. A broken arm. Yeah, like he got into like some accident or something, and he's just like, "I need to do this." Well, I mean, if you're if you're if you set out to accomplish a goal, nothing's going to stop you from accomplishing it. Yeah, it, it's super cool. Like, yeah, it's the level ninety nine in the first reactor area. the The dude's name is Critical Master. That, okay. That's what it was. Now, is there any like? Is there any kind of like out of, not necessarily out of realm, but is there anything that you would like want to do? Because we, we've talked about the way you play Pokemon games. Yeah. Uh, is there any kind of like thing that you would like to accomplish, but just you don't think you would do it because of the time commitment it would take? Oh, that's a, that's a very good question, honestly. I would have to what think about like what I would want question? to accomplish. I think like 
for a time there was a there was a, a part of me that wanted to achieve like the highest ranking in League of Legends. Okay. But, but like the the skill and time commitment in order to do so when I was interested was just far too great and I just would not be able to accomplish it. But that okay. that was definitely an interest of mine earlier. Uh, also achieving like legend rank in uh, Hearthstone was a was a goal of mine. Almost got close to that one, mm-hmm. but fell short by like five ranks. Mm-hmm. See, um, for me, I for me, I think it would I think it would be like a cheat getting all the achievements for all Forza games as well as all Gran Turismo games, mm. all the trophies for Gran Turismo games. Yeah, that'd be, like, be kind of cool. It, it would be. I just don't have the time. Uh, you you obviously know I don't have the time for that. Yes. <laughs> um, but no, Mason, this was a good episode. Any other things you would like to chat about or anything in the news that we don't feel like we did not give the attention it deserves? Well, the, the last tidbit of information that I wanted to touch on was we, we spoke on this on a previous podcast where we were talking a little bit about the Blue Hedgehog, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog, obviously, the movies yeah, and the games guy. and all that stuff. I still mm-hmm. have yet to see the live action movie. Neither have I. Uh, and I've really been meaning to. I just, I have literally no excuse. But anywho, uh, a sequel was, uh, you know, announced because the first mm-hmm. movie did so well. And yep. now we know that the second movie is not only going to include Sonic, but it'll also include Tails and Knuckles, the Echidna. Oh, snap. We about to get some knuckles up in here. Hell yeah. And the voice of the echidna is going to be, I would not have guessed this, but it is none other than acclaimed actor Idris Elba. And when I saw that information, I said no. Really? I, I love Idris Elba. Do not get this part twisted. Idris Elba is one of those people, no matter what he's in, I'm going to like it because I think that he is a phenomenal actor. Yes. I think he is a better actor than Chris Pratt. I think he's a better actor than Ryan Reynolds. I do not get tired of Idris Elba. However, him doing the voice of Knuckles does not work in my brain. Yeah, I mean, he might do something unique with the voice. I just... I just can't see it. I just... Yeah, because of the... Is it because of his accent or... It might because he's got a very deep voice. He has got... Yeah. Uh, he's got a deep voice. I can't even do the Idris Elba uh, voice because uh, I can't. Uh, but it's just... It's, this does not the character for Knuckles. That's not the, the sound I have for Knuckles. Mm-hmm. Like, do you, do you have a specific sound that you would want to hear? Or do I don't. Want... I, I don't, but I know it's not Idris. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you. Is it's like, do you have a specific like voice in mind? I don't have a specific voice in mind. Just when I saw it was Idris, I was just kind of like, mm, that's going to be a no for me. Mm-hmm. But again, we've we've been proven wrong. You know who? You know who Idris would do a who would, Idris would do the voice work for Master Chief. And I, yeah, that that wouldn't be bad. I think I would be really into that if uh, Master Chief was it. Yeah, because like the original voice actor for the Chief isn't interested in doing it for the movie no but i uh, yeah you gotta turn it down at some point yeah yeah and i get that like he i respect his decision because he's just like no i'll let somebody else do it Mm. 
Like he's had his time in the sun. No, I fully understand that. But if, like, because if, if I had that voice, I, but then again, I, I, I would say that, but I, after doing the voice for so long mm-hmm. and having to sign up for more projects, at some point you do have to say no. Do you think that point will ever come for the actor who plays Optimus Prime? Uh, I think death will come before that. I hope not. <laughs> I think that that's the reality is that some people die with their characters. Because like Peter Cullen, he's 80 years old, I think, right mm-hmm. now. And he's he's done the voice of Optimus since the original 1980s cartoon. Yep, and I don't think they're going to retire uh, because I believe they're getting ready to reboot another Transformers movie. Yes, um, don't remember what it's called, but I know they're they're doing um, they're they're trying to do like Beast Wars. Beast Wars? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm which here is, for that. Which is awesome because like that show was fantastic when it first came out. It, yeah, it honestly it single-handedly revitalized the Transformers franchise. Mm-hmm. But when you rewatch it as an adult, it does not age well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like that's a lot of the Transformer products is that it just doesn't age that well. Yeah, but no, uh, um, I, I don't see Peter uh, stepping down from doing Optimus. Uh, I really don't. He's going to do it until he dies. I, I, I do think. Yeah, I think so. And on that very somber note, we will unfortunately have to come to an episode end. As always, listeners, thank you so much for joining. I am one of your hosts, Darkness Tiger. You can find me at the Uninformed Gamers Twitter page at Uninformed Gamers. And you can also find me at the top of the leaderboard. Usually I'm one or two people just above where you currently place. Uh, Mason, go ahead and give them your sign out. Also, tell them anything you're plugging. Go yeah, for of course. it. Um, no, as always, I'm Mason. You can follow me on my YouTube channel, Rad Dreams Review. I am so close to 150 subscribers. So feel free to check me out there. I know 150 is not like anything obscene or a lot, but it means a lot to me. So if uh, anybody listens, give, give me a check. I would love it. <laughs> let's, let's make sure, listeners, if you like and subscribe our podcast, please go like yeah. and subscribe. Rad Dreams Review. Yes, please. And thank you. All um, right. Yeah, other than that, that that's uh, pretty much all I got. All right. On that note, thank you all for joining us for another installment. Take Bye. Care, Bye.